I'm Sinead O'Moore and you're listening to Every Mum the Podcast. Every Mum the Podcast was created for one reason, to get honest about parenthood, about the realities, the joys, the surprises and the fears, the moments that form us and the ones we don't hear people talk enough about, which is why we are so proud to partner with Water Wipes as our sponsor for this season, as they share this mission with us and are such an essential brand for every mum. As creators of the world's purest baby wipes containing just two ingredients, 99.9% water and just a drop of fruit extract, water wipes are purer than cotton wool and water. During the early days as a parent, everything is uncertain. But choosing the right wipes shouldn't be a worry. With no artificial fragrance, soap, silicones or colours, Water wipes are suitable for newborn, sensitive, and even premature skin. Together, we are committed to providing more reassurance for parents with trusted products and this podcast, helping us all take those important steps towards greater confidence while building a community of support for every mum. In this episode, I'm joined by the wellness psychologist, Dr. Cloda Campbell. Endlessly reassuring, empathetic and insightful, Dr. Cloda supports many people with their goal to live their happiest lives. A mum of one with her second baby on the way later this year, we talk about her own experience of hyperemesis, mum guilt, anxiety rising and self-doubt. But as a psychologist, she also kindly shares her powerful advice for minding our own minds. Parenting can trigger a lifetime of emotional challenges, which can resurface when we are at our most vulnerable, stressed, and especially during pregnancy and postpartum. And here we talk about the sources, methods, and tools, which can be an essential support for every mum. Dr. Cloda Campbell, thank you so much for joining us on Every Mum, the podcast. Um, Your expertise in how we all look after our minds and try and stay well um, and learning more about how our minds work and psychology and everything is so, so important right now and something I know that a lot of us are struggling with, including myself. So I want to know to start off with, how's your mental wellness right now i'm laughing to myself as as you asked that because unfortunately being a psychologist doesn't mean that i can rise above everything and that i haven't been experiencing exactly what everybody else has over the last couple of months i think we're very much all in this together and i'm only human and like the majority of people that I've been connecting with recently, we've all had our ups and our downs and some days have been harder than others. But thankfully there has been those ups and they've been keeping me going. And yeah, I think it's a strange time that we've all been getting through together day by day. And of course, right now, congratulations, you are halfway through your second pregnancy. Um, How are you feeling? Thank you so much. I'm delighted. I feel so blessed to be in this position again. Um, And I've just recently started feeling kicks and it's just the most special part of pregnancy, I think. Um, So it's really, really lovely, very exciting. I'm trying not to let the current climate impact it too much, but of course it is in ways. Um, But yeah, I'm feeling really, really lucky. We are hearing that a lot in, in, in every mum. Um, it's like pregnancy is such a precious few months for so many, but it, even in normal circumstances, it can be an incredibly anxious time. An anxious time because you're maybe so hopeful, um, perhaps you've waited a long time for this. Um, anxious because it's so much of it is out of your control and there's so much love and anticipation but also those pregnancy hormones bring a whole load of anxiety with them too so how do you think um or have you any supportive advice like what can we be doing to maybe try and help ourselves right now it's funny i i I try to share my reality um with people a lot it's something that i've been practicing especially over the last year 
So I've been sharing little snippets of when I am feeling anxious. You know, I had my anatomy scan during the week and that was anxiety provoking for me as it is for a lot of women who are pregnant. I think pregnancy is such a precious thing and it's, I suppose it, it is a vulnerable time for us when you're pregnant, your body's changing, your emotions are up and down, your hormones are up and down and they, you're hoping for this huge joy at the end of the journey but because that is so precious it's easy and understandable and normal to feel anxious that it's not all going to work out um, and that something might happen along the way especially when you hear stories from other people if their journeys have ended or if they've had difficulty along the way and it's really hard not to hold that in mind throughout throughout the journey so what I always say to people is, first of all, it's normal to experience the anxiety and to be gentle with yourself, to acknowledge that it's a normal part of the journey. And you're feeling this way because there's so much riding on the next couple of months and the nine months and to take each day as it comes, to take every step as, as it comes and to try to self-soothe and reassure yourself if those anxieties are coming up, particularly if you're not experiencing any side effects or any pains or any bleeding or any kind of signals that something is wrong. Um, and our mind can, can go to these dark places, um, especially when something means so much to us. But to, to talk to your partner about how you're feeling, to talk to people who have been in the experience through the experience before, um, to talk to your family about it, and to share that with other people along the way, because it isn't an easy journey. And actually, I don't think I realized until my first pregnancy, just how difficult the experience can be. It's, it's so up and down. <laughs> and um, for those listening, we, we actually were, were very close in, in pregnancy, weeks um so i'm due my my the big scan as they'll call it um next week and we, on my second pregnancy i'm i think only appreciating this time how normal the challenges are i i don't know i maybe i felt on my first one i didn't know what to expect or anticipate and kind of um maybe got on with stuff because I was still trying to be the old me and in this one I'm really feeling no I'm worried I'm I want this to I need this to be okay I I I, I think actually I think it's I know what I'd be missing out on if I got bad news yeah I think that might be it and um I'm definitely a lot more conscious of the 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 mental wellness element of it and how important it is actually and how important it was even at conception um and uh looking looking forward to having another baby and actually figuring out that it's not all just about physical well-being there's a lot to do with growing a human that it's <laughs> mental well-being is really involved with yeah i think you've hit the nail on the head as somebody who's going through the experience for the second time I know the joy that comes with the baby I know what it's like to have your baby placed on your chest for the first time and to go through every milestone the first smile and the first roll and the first steps and that just feels like the most precious gift that I've ever been given in my life so you're right knowing what the stakes this time around so in such a real way does make it all the more precious and it does lend to feeling vulnerable and anxious and scared um, of what we might miss out on and I think that it's that unfortunately is a reality for a lot of women that they do experience loss at different stages throughout pregnancy and I always say loss is the most difficult part of life. So tell me about your postpartum experience first time round, because as you know, more than, more than most, um, 
looking after our minds and our bodies is so important then. So what was your experience like? My experience postpartum, wow. <laughs> that is a big question because there is just so much going on at that time, isn't there? You know, we we are experiencing often pain and discomfort in our body and extreme tiredness like we've never experienced before. And this is even before we consider the lack of sleep and all of that. It's just even after giving birth to a baby, um, the exhaustion of that. So on top of the physical exhaustion after giving birth to your baby and on top of the physical pains and the discomfort in your body, there's this part of getting to know this little baby that's just landed on your chest and getting to know what motherhood is and what it means and what, how to be a mother. Uh, I, I'm not joking when I say that I think the first nappy I ever changed in my life was my daughter's. And even in the hospital before we left, I remember desperately asking them to bathe her because I just felt like I was clueless. Um, so it's such a steep learning curve and nothing prepares you for it. Nothing can prepare you for it because you feel so much love and you feel so many hormones and you feel so exhausted. Um, but I remember in particular when my daughter was about a week old, sitting on the sofa with her and just having this overwhelming feeling of responsibility. And it, it felt like I would never feel freedom in my life again, that I would always be tied to this baby and that I would always be responsible for this baby and at the time that felt so overwhelming um, and I remember looking at my husband and thinking you're not tied to this baby in the way that I am um, and wondering if I would ever have time to myself ever again and I, I hope that this isn't coming across as selfish because I don't think that that was what was at play. I think it was just the enormity of what had landed on my lap. And growing her for nine months hadn't prepared me for what it would feel like having her here and having this responsibility and this little person to look after and love and cherish and protect. Um, and of course, that diminishes over time. You, you realize that you will have time to yourself again. And that that's important, that having time to yourself is essential for your mental health and for your well-being. Um, and as they grow a little, even as they get a, a little bit older in terms of weeks, that sense of responsibility changed. And I grew more comfortable with it. But it's just such an overwhelming time in, I think, every sense of the word. Yeah, I don't think anything that you've just said in any way is selfish at all. I think what you're saying is experienced probably by every single woman um, who is listening to this or experienced the transition of motherhood. And I think what you're describing, that, that, you know, that time you were sitting on the couch when she was one week old, that's that moment of transition where you, you've accepted, oh, I am never, ever going to be the same again. Yeah. And that's it. No matter what happens from that moment, you'll never be the same person. Like no. you will just be changed in so many ways. And my whole outlook on life changed. You know, now that I'm a mum, I can't understand what brought me joy in my life before I had my little girl, because it's like all my joy is experienced through her now. You know, yeah. and, and that might sound a little bit funny, but, you know, if we're on holidays or if we're enjoying a special moment together, a lot of that joy comes from sharing it with her and giving her that opportunity and watching it through her eyes. Um, and that's such a precious gift. So, yeah, I'll never be the same again. No matter what happens for the rest of my life, becoming a mum has changed me. I think it has changed us all at a cellular level. Um, and I completely agree that those shifts of priorities and perspectives. Um, and I think it's the, the greatest challenge is finding that balance between 
your own personal priorities and then you the mother and her priorities and yeah. I think it takes a good few years actually to refine that the balance that you can you can find without those associative feelings of guilt or of should I be doing this or or the self-doubt or should I not be doing that or the self-comparison against well that person can have a wonderful home and career and travel and still look great and still have loads of kids or you know whatever whatever it is that's going on in your mind it takes a, a while um for that to settle down and for you to feel comfortable in the new skin in the new transition yeah. and you know as you say that i wonder if that's ever going to fully happen for me mm. because <laughs> it's like i think we we get more used to it and we find a balance and we find a groove but our, our children are constantly changing and they're developing and they're growing older. And I think every stage that they're at will bring its own challenges um, and will push us out of our comfort zones. And now for, for us with another baby that we're going to add into the mix, it's like a constant evolving situation. Um, and I don't know if I'll ever feel like I've got the right balance uh, or if I'm ever doing a good enough job. But I think that's another part of motherhood, the mum guilt and the comparison. And it's trying to keep an eye on that and trying to manage that as best we can. Because again, it's so normal. How did you find coming to the decision to have a second child or that you were ready? Oh, that is a really good question. And it took me a long, long time to feel ready. Because in my first pregnancy, I experienced hyperemesis for the, the whole hog, the whole nine months. And that was extremely, extremely difficult for me. It was one of the greatest challenges that I've ever experienced, to be honest, um, being that unwell. Um, so there, I knew that the chances were high that I'd have that again, the hyperemesis, and that I'd feel unwell again in pregnancy. So feeling ready to put myself through that despite the end circumstances the, despite the joy that it would bring to our lives um it took me a long time to come around to it and it took a lot of conversations with my husband as well because to help him to understand why I wasn't quite ready um so eventually I had it in my head that I didn't want a greater gap just for us um for our family then three years between my little girl and another child. I think it just came to a point where I thought, okay, I just have to do this now. And I suppose as women, we're conscious of our body clocks and we're conscious of if we leave it any longer, what might that mean for us? Um, and I always think as well, I, my dad died um, six, six or seven years ago now. And he taught me a real lesson, his death, that sometimes putting things off means that you can you'll never get them um you'll never get to experience them and that was in in my mind as well if i'm putting this off am i risking what's ahead um so it took me a long time but for me i felt ready eventually and that was the key feeling ready and i have experienced hyperemesis on this pregnancy but having been through it before and knowing how to manage it has definitely made it easier. Having my friends and family and all that support around me, I, I probably learned from the first time round that you need that support. So that's made a huge difference second time round. And tell me, what are those other tips that you have for, for trying to, to manage it? And I, and I know I'm sure with hyperemesis, um, it's going to be individual to every to every person and what works for one may not work for another but what did you find doing or taking or eating or not eating what were the methods that you used to try and manage it so the first thing i would say is to get medical help as early as you can if it feels like you're very very unwell and that you can't hold down food or water that that warrants speaking to your GP about so for me because I was starting to experience the same symptoms I went straight into Hollis Street and said look I've experienced hyperemesis on my first pregnancy I'm recognizing the signs again I really need support with this so presented at the hospital or for the people presenting at your GP and getting that medical support is important even if it's just to 
get emotional support for it um, and that you feel like you're taking the right steps, whatever those steps might be for you. So I was in the first maybe six or seven or eight weeks of my second pregnancy, I was receiving um, rehydration on a weekly basis to help keep my levels balanced. And I started a medication that was a lifesaver. So tell me more about the support systems or the things that you did to help support you through the hyperemesis. It was definitely, I've been finding it much easier a second time round. Um, because for one, I knew what to expect. I anticipated that I'd be sick this time round. And although it impacted my readiness to try again, when I started to feel the nausea and when I started to feel really sick, I think it was easier to accept it because I knew I had survived it one time before and what I got at the end of that, you know, the prize that I got and the joy that I got at the end. Um, but saying all of that, it's, it's been difficult this time around too. Of course it has. You know, there's been weeks where I've been in the hospital on a drip and I'm taking tablets and my lips are so dry that I'm finding it hard to speak because I'm finding it hard to drink anything. Um, and I think what helped as well this time around was knowing that my mind was impacted the first time and that my mind, that I would struggle this time around too. I suppose with my mental health and the dark places that my mind went the first time around, that prepared me for feeling that way this time too. Um, because it's very difficult. Your pregnancy is such a blessing. And I know that for many people, pregnancy is something that they desire and that it's a struggle to, to get there. So I, I never take pregnancy lightly and I never underestimate the gift that it is, but it's a real struggle when it's difficult. And it's difficult for people in lots of different ways. Hyperemesis is one of those ways. Um, but accepting that it was okay if I was feeling bad, if it was okay if I was struggling, it was okay if I had thoughts, fleeting thoughts, like I don't want to be pregnant anymore, this is so challenging because that's normal and I think everybody who experiences hyperemesis probably has those thoughts from time to time. It took me a long time to accept those first time round. I felt a lot of shame that I was having those thoughts, you know, lying in bed at 5am too sick to move or to sleep or to do anything and wishing for split seconds that the pregnancy would end so that I wouldn't experience that psychological distress anymore. Um, and even when I think of my little girl and to know that I felt that from time to time, that's very difficult for me. Um, but this time around accepting that that might be part of it um, and going in and getting the help that I needed as soon as I started to feel the symptoms. So getting the medical help, telling our mums because we needed extra support. You know, before we didn't have a toddler to balance. Um, but this time around, we had a two and a half year old who needs lots of TLC and lots of affection and lots of attention. So in the early weeks, my mum came up um, at weekends just to help out a little bit because Paul was exhausted from looking after Maya 24 seven and looking after a wife who couldn't get out of bed or who was lying on the couch or who was going into hospital for a drip. Um, so yeah, I suppose telling family, our, our mums early for that support. And I told two of my friends in the early days as well, because I just needed to talk about it. And there was, there's this balance between not wanting to tell too many people in case something goes wrong, but also needing that support and thinking, well, look, if, if I experience a loss, these are the people that I'll lean on and tell anyway. Um, so that definitely supported me this time around. I think that's a wonderful piece of advice. And it was something that I was given by my GP on my first pregnancy. Um, at that, like, you know, the appointment you go to, to like confirm the pregnancy. Um, and she turned to me and she said, you know, the whole waiting till 12 weeks thing is a bit of a con. And mm. You know, it, she just kind of came out with it in a very, she's very natural, um, we have wonderful chats. And she said, look, it's up to every individual um, and it's up to every circumstance. And by no means tell people if you're not ready to. But on the other hand, she said, 
tell the people who you would tell if there was a problem? Yeah, I totally agree. First time round, we told my mum and nobody else because we were anxious and we wanted to wait until we had our 12-week scan. And I didn't tell my friends and that was extremely difficult for me because not only did I have to carry the burden of what was going on I also had to hide it from people and from people that knew something was up but they didn't quite know what it was so when I eventually told my best friends they were like we knew thank god you're telling us and you can talk (laughs) about it because we knew that there was something up and obviously this was something because we were you know recently married and they probably knew me so well they thought oh maybe that is what's going on but they obviously would never have anticipated just how sick I was um so yeah I would definitely second time around I told people only a small number of people but the people that I would tell anyway if something went wrong because you need to lean on people during difficult times and it made all the difference that probably did ease how difficult it was because I was able to send them pictures from the hospital and say back in again and you know when you're in on a drip on hospital I was lucky I didn't have to stay in at my time I went in to the day ward but it's a long aisle time that you're in there and you're just sitting waiting so it's nice to be able to text your friends and tell them what you're going through or to ring your mom um so yeah I would definitely if people feel comfortable even just telling one or two people especially if it's difficult I would definitely advocate for that I think that it's it's a time where you are at your most vulnerable and you are incredibly fatigued, even if it is going well. Um, yeah. Your mind is going mad. I mean, I, in the episode last week when we were talking to Martina Marks, and uh, she was saying how in those early weeks, one of the symptoms and signs that she felt in pregnancy was a rising sense of anxiety. Yeah. That would just come out of... A, you know, hormones or your mind um, wondering and thinking kind of, you know, you're all of a sudden the weight of this responsibility of what you're doing and growing becomes so real. It's so important to have someone to talk to through that. Definitely. And I think anxiety is actually something that a lot of women experience, especially those who have experienced a loss um but you know I've never experienced a loss and I've been anxious in my pregnancies I know lots of my friends have felt that way and lots of people have reached out to me on Instagram and have asked for tips and tricks to manage anxiety in the early days especially of pregnancy because there are no guarantees and I suppose we all know the statistics and that's a bit scary especially when you know it's pregnancy and a baby is something that a lot of us go into with such a longing for I found every day and week passing felt like an eternity. Yeah. <laughs> You're just, I'm constantly Googling viability ratings based on what day it was or what week yeah. it was. And you're just racing to try and get to that reassurance stage of which there is no reassurance in motherhood. Anything can happen at any point. Yeah, that's so true. And then you get to the nine months and you get your gorgeous little baby and then you start to worry about the baby that's in your arms. It's constant. And I think that that's just motherhood. You know, the minute that that baby is placed in your arms, something changes. And I know for me, certainly, when Maya was placed in my arms, I was thinking to myself, oh my God, this is the biggest responsibility I've ever been given in my life. I hope I'm up to it. I hope I'm ready and I'm able for this because, wow, it's huge. And as well as that, the mum guilt. You know, you hear about mum guilt before you become a mum, but I never anticipated how strong mum guilt really is. Oh my goodness. And the comparison as well. I think you know, it's, it's natural. And as a psychologist, I know that lots of the ways we feel and lots of the things we think are functional, you know, our emotions have a purpose. And I think to some extent, mum guilt has a purpose because it helps us to look after our children and to make sure they're safe and that they thrive and that we do the best, our best for them. But it's like anything else. It's like stress or, or any difficulties that we experience a little bit is fine but then if it kind of if it gets too much it can be unhelpful and unhealthy and I think mum guilt is something we all experience and we probably all need to try to be mindful of and to put a boundary around 
So talking to you as the psychologist, but knowing what you know about how our minds as mums work, where do you start to think that line is crossed when it goes from normal into something that really it's time to talk to somebody professional? I think with anything, and I always say this, if it starts to impact your life, it's a difficulty. So if your anxiety is so strong that it's holding you back from doing things, that's a difficulty. If your mum guilt or your fear for your child's safety is so strong that it's holding you back from carrying out the things that you need to do or you want to do or to feeling kind of safe, then that's a difficulty. And for it's like a spectrum, again, like with mental health, everything's a spectrum. And some people... If they're at a five out of 10, that might be difficulty for them. Whereas at somebody else, it might be that they're at a nine out of 10 and that's when they go for support or that's when it's really impacting them. So I think listen to your gut instinct, listen to yourself. I think people always know when it's a difficulty. Deep down, people get to a point and it gets too much for them and they're struggling and they need support and they'll always know that. And then taking the first step is supposed to probably the hardest I think some of the barriers to taking that first step is also a fear of not knowing what the process of healing is like mm. and what to anticipate from going to see a professional yeah um, and even you know will I be judged as though I'm a failure because I'm I need this help um or will I be deemed like this is so terrible but will they look at me as though I'm not coping yeah so what actually goes on when you work with a psychologist so the first thing that would happen if you say if you go in for an appointment with a psychologist or a therapist or a counsellor is that the you get to know the other person you'll sit down and you'll have a chat together and the purpose of that is to allow the person to start to feel somewhat comfortable or somewhat safe and to understand what's, what's expected of them in the room. And I always take it really, really slow at that point. And it's just like a chat um, to talk about how you're feeling, to talk about the support that you think you need. And the psychologist or the therapist or the counsellor then might offer their advice or what's coming to mind for them. Um, but it's very, you can take it in slow steps and uh, you can give or receive as much as you feel ready for. You know, you don't need to go in and blurt out your whole life story straight away. There's lots of time for that to come. And it's about building a relationship and getting to know the other person and allowing them to be there for you and to listen to how things have been. And I've been on both sides of the chair. I've been there as a psychologist and I've also been there as the, the client. And as the psychologist, I always think that the person sitting in front of me is extremely brave for being there. I always feel privileged that they're sharing their story with me and their pain or their discomfort or their, their joy sometimes with me. And I never, ever look at the person and and view them as not coping I view them as someone who is strong and ready to help themselves and support themselves and my job is to walk that journey with them what benefits do you have you seen or and and, and, and experienced because as you said you've been on both sides of that chair um so knowing that first appointment and the person who comes into you and seeing the transition to that last appointment, what are the things that you start identifying as this person is on the road to, to, to wellness? Oh, that's a really good question. And that would, would differ for everybody. But for me personally, I always think a huge part of it is the relationship between the, the therapist and the client. And if the client allows me to start seeing them, and their vulnerability and their true self I always see that as huge that feels very meaningful to me and it feels like huge progress but also I might see that their anxiety is lowering or if they've come to me and they're feeling depressed I might see them starting to smile or to laugh 
I'll see a change in how they are just sitting in front of me. Sometimes I'll see people and they'll be sitting straighter and their head will be higher and they'll be looking me in the eye and that can be a huge step for people. So for everybody it's different but I personally believe both from being the psychologist and also from being the person in the other chair that just having somebody there to listen and to offer support and to just have time for you as mums we don't have much time for just ourselves um so sitting in front of somebody for for an hour a week that can just be so powerful to have that time to yourself and to to know that it's going to support you and your family and your children and your future do you think that parenthood can be almost like a trigger for lots of other things and that absolutely yeah totally I've had conversations with people about this and I find it really actually reassuring because when you talk about mum guilt mum guilt is exasperated by the feeling that actually everything that's happening to my mind right now is because of this child who on one hand I love but on the other hand is sending me down into a dark place but actually maybe the parenthood has just been the trigger for lots of other reasons lots of other things that you've been burying over the years yeah and that you can cope with but then when you add a child into the mix you can't cope anymore and really maybe the reason to reach out and to seek that help has nothing to do actually with you as a mother or your, the love you have for your child or the relationship or the home that you're building. It's been things that have been within you that now it's time to fix. Yeah. Oh, I 100% agree that becoming a mom or a dad can bring older hurts and older pains and unresolved grief to the surface. I've talked to many people and my friends included that something will come up for them and myself included you know I was adopted and someone said to me when I was a teenager when you have your first child this will all come back all of the the unresolved grief or the anger or the sadness or whatever will come up and the moment I had my daughter it was like something switched in my brain and I just felt all of this emotion um or maybe people might who have maybe lost their mum, for example, their mother died during their childhood or their teenage years or their 20s. Having their own child can reignite that pain for them as well. Or, you know, the way that we were brought up might come to the surface. Difficulties that we had or experiences that we had with our own parents, that can all come up. Um, I know for me as well, I... I remember so clearly when my daughter started crash and she didn't cry and she didn't look back the first day that I left her and I went home and cried my eyes out feeling like a failure as a mother that she wasn't attached to me and that she didn't love me and that she didn't care that I was leaving her and I remember ringing my own mum it sounds so silly now but I think actually a lot of parents go through this I remember ringing my own mom and pouring my heart out to her and she said Clodagh that little girl knows how much you adore her and you give her so much safety in her world that she knows that you'll be back to get her and that it's okay for her to stay there and to play and that lifted my spirits a little bit because I was so so worried that I had failed somehow as a mother um so all of that goes on for parents and our little babies in our arms can stir so much up for us. It's actually astounding when you think about it. And I think it, it happens to everybody on some level. I think that example that you gave is so perfect because it's so normal, yet the feeling is so intense. And the yeah. description of how you spoke to your mom and the advice you got back, that's, that's a mini counselling session. It's somebody, <laughs> yeah. it's somebody clarifying the feeling. And and then it just normalizes itself and releases itself. And you're like, oh, yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. And the funny thing is, I'm a psychologist. 
I know that. But when it's your child and when it's your emotions and your feelings, it just, you know, you go to the feelings and the emotions and they're so overwhelming that it's hard to rationalize it. And we all do it. We all do it from time to time and we don't feel good enough or we feel like we're letting our children down or they bump their head and we feel like the worst parents in the world because we've taken yeah. their, our eyes off them for one second. Um, yeah. I was working on something that meant a lot to me at the time and my daughter was in that kind of wobbler stage. Um, she was sturdy enough, you know, but yeah, she was still, she was still early on her feet. And um, I was there on the couch, on the laptop, trying to just do as much as I can while she didn't need me. She was playing quietly and you're like, okay, pick it up and just do what you can, go. And um, she stumbled on a toy and hit her face off a table oh. coming down. Yeah. And she got a black eye. Oh. <laughs> oh. And I absolutely broke down like my little she was she was just past one she maybe one and two months and she had a black eye for like two or three weeks (laughs) I I can I can actually imagine your distress and god it was horrible yeah and I will never we've all been there we've all as parents had a moment like that or in multiple moments like multiple moments yeah but I will never be able to think of that project or that work, which in the end had a lot of success around it and I should be proud of it. I will yeah. never be able to think of it without thinking of that moment and, and wishing I had done actually less in work and more for her. Yeah. Oh, it's, so, it's such a struggle to find that balance. And I don't know if we ever feel like we're finding it. There's something similar happened to my little girl when both myself and my husband were right beside her. We have these granite steps leading up to our house and she toppled down them and we were literally right beside her. Um, and she, her whole face was grazed and we felt so guilty that we were right beside her and weren't able to protect her from the fall. But I think that's motherhood, isn't it? And parenthood, you can yeah. never, you can be there with them as they stumble and you can be there to pick them up and to comfort them but no matter how hard we try we're never going to protect them from every fall or from every hurt or from every pain it's just not possible it's not and that's a learning curve in itself yeah Um, so what what are the I suppose daily acts of wellness that we should be trying to incorporate because and this is something I feel very strongly about I always feel like you know, we brush our teeth twice a day to prevent them from going bad. Like we don't wait to, to do something until it's like at abscess level. And we do yeah. that with our minds. Yeah. You know, we, we, we don't take care of ourselves in those daily routines as much as we should. So what are the things that we, as little time that we have, but what are the <laughs> things that we should be actually very selfish about and say, no, no, this is needed. This is my vitamin tablet every day. You know, this is my five fruit and veg. These are the things that I need to do because we hear all the time, happy mom, happy baby. Yeah. What are the things that we should do? I think the thing is to find what works for you. All of us are going to experience different things as helpful and all of us can find that one thing for us that really works or that two thing, those two things for us. For some people, it could be yoga. For some people, it might be mindfulness and meditation. I know for me, I adore gratitude and it just, since I've started practicing gratitude on a more regular basis, it has changed my mind, my outlook, my positivity in life. So it's finding that special thing that fulfills you and lifts you up and frees you and makes you feel like you're looking after yourself. I also love getting out in nature, going for a walk. I hate exercise. I'm not a runner. I'm not a gym bunny. Um, So going for a walk works for me. Whereas I know with friends of mine, they love getting out for a run. So it's making time for yourself and doing the thing that fulfills you or that makes you happy. And trying to find the time for that in your day or three times a week or whatever feels like the right level for you. There's simple things as well, like 
trying to be gentle with ourselves, trying to be show ourselves the same compassion that we show others. I always think if we, I think Tara Rafter spoke about this as well, if we were as kind and caring and considerate to ourselves as we are to others, I think that we would feel a lot differently about ourselves. And I think we would be far more gentle with ourselves. It's the same with comparison to others. It's just, I don't think it's ever healthy. So if we were able to recognize when we're starting to compare ourselves to others and to catch it and to think, is this helpful for me now? Or is this putting me under pressure? Is this making me feel guilty? Um, And also just trying to take things one day at a time. You know, we often put so much pressure on ourselves but just taking things one day at a time and accepting how we are in that day and knowing that tomorrow is a new day, next week is a new week and that we'll survive it, whatever comes our way because we always do. We always overcome the difficulties that come up in our lives. We've survived everything to date. Um, so to have that belief as well that we'll get through the, the difficulties. Explain to me when you say performing gratitude. Because I am fascinated with like, what are the, what, what is the performance of gratitude? Is it simply a mindset where you, you turn something negative into a positive or do you write things down or what are the, what are the behaviors you're doing to try and practice that? So it's really simple and it's really easy to do and it can take as little as 30 seconds out of your day. And it's to start by just thinking about what you're grateful for what are the things in your life that you're happy about or that bring you joy or that you're thankful for so first thing in the morning when you wake up or last thing at night it could simply be lying in bed and listing three things or five things in your mind that have brought you happiness in the day or that you're thankful for Um, for example sometimes it might be my family that I've had a really lovely afternoon with my daughter or my husband made dinner and that meant that I got to sit in the couch for half an hour. Little simple things or the chocolate bar that I had on the sofa at nine o'clock when Maya was in bed and I was watching something on Netflix. Or it might be the gorgeous weather that we're having. So whatever it is in your day that you're thankful for. And people do write them down and have a gratitude diary or journal that can be really helpful too. So it's whatever works for you, whatever way you can incorporate it into your daily life. And I find with gratitude and the science behind it shows that the more you think about life in this way, the more you will view things. Like gratitude opens up your heart and your soul to viewing more things in this way. If you start simple and start small, before you know it, you'll be experiencing multiple, multiple um, moments of gratitude in your day. It might just be the the sun or the sunset or the feel of the scarf, your scarf around your neck that's bringing you comfort. Um, So if we open ourselves to it, we'll experience it more and more and more. And it actually changes the, the neural pathways in our brain. The science has shown that gratitude changes the physical pathways in our brain and allows us to to view life differently and to we see the positives. And when you're seeing the positives and you're fulfilling yourself with with all of that, the the negatives can't be as big in your life because you, your heart is so full of all the joy and the things that you're thankful for that the negatives change. They change into things that maybe you can overcome or that you can lessen because your your heart is so full of the joys of what you do have. I think top on my journal today will be this conversation. <laughs> Thank you so much. I have found it enormously supportive and beneficial um I could talk to you for hours I think I'm just so fascinated with how looking after our minds is so important yet there is so much focus on how we look after our bodies and I love how it's becoming more and more a focus especially in in pregnancy and in 
in postpartum um, and all the way through parenthood um, because it is absolutely vital. It's absolutely vital. And growing a baby is so much more than just what's going on inside that bump. It's to do Mm. with your whole self. Yeah. And I think that you have shared some incredible supportive information and tips and own experiences. And I can only hope that um, anyone listening to this episode um, feels as grateful as I do. (laughs) Thank you so much. And thank you so much for having me. You know, if there's one thing I can do or share with people, it's that the experience that we go through, the feelings that we have, they're all normal. Many, many of us experience them and feel them and we need to talk about them more so that we know we're not alone in that. Because pregnancy and motherhood can at times be a really lonely journey and it's only when you open up and talk to other people or listen to podcasts like this that you realize that you're not alone and that so many people are feeling the exact same way as you are and some of the things that we probably feel most shameful about in our lives our best friends have probably felt at times but we just don't know because we don't talk about it enough so if I can give that message to people that we're all in it together and that it's all normal, everything that we're experiencing, that I will be very grateful to have the position to do that. Dr. Cloda Campbell, the wellness psychologist, thank you so much for joining us on Every Mum the Podcast. And um, I can't wish you more best wishes for the next 19 weeks, is it? Maybe 18. Um, 18 today 18, 18 today. today yeah 18 today 18 weeks before uh, you are a mom yet again to another little baby yeah I can't wait and best of luck to you too I know we'll be checking in with each other now that we've gotten to know each other a little bit and it's such a lovely way to connect with people um and if anyone out there is listening to this and would like to link in with me and just ask how let me know how they're doing they're more than welcome to because I know it can be a difficult journey. Thank you so much for listening. We hope this episode has supported and given you increased confidence. We'd love you to rate and leave a review. Share this episode across social. Get in touch with this week's wonderful guest, Dr. Cloda Campbell, the wellness psychologist on Instagram, and subscribe to join us next week for more. Water wipes are an essential for every mum, from that first nappy change to those messy weaning months. As creators of the world's purest baby wipes, water wipes are purer than cotton wool and water and are proud sponsors of Every Mum, the podcast.